Welcome everyone to this episode of Shadow Play Paranormal. I'm your host Nathan here with my special guest and good friend Lucas. Lucas, how are you doing tonight? I am doing absolutely fantastic, and I'm very glad to have the opportunity to be on Shadow Play Paranormal. Now, Lucas, I know you you know quite well here, so I know your backstory and everything. Um, but I would like to ask you. Why exactly are you interested in the paranormal? And if so, if you've had any experiences in your life. So, I'm going to address the last part of that question first. Um, experiences, quite boring answer, but it's an honest one. I, I have not had any experiences yet. But, I feel as if that makes me, like many people out there, you know, I have not had experiences. But, you know, I feel as if many of the listeners could relate to this. You know, people who are interested in it, but... Or not necessarily thinking one way or another. That that's kind of my mindset. I don't know whether or not I believe in you know paranormal stuff. I don't necessarily dismiss it, but you know I've not had that solid, concrete experience where I can just say, okay, well, you know I believe in the paranormal now. I, I have yet to have that. And one of the reasons why I'm interested in that is to to see kind of for my own eyes if that's going to be a, a potential thing. You know I'm I'm very interested in that, and I just want to have that concrete answer for myself one way or another. So. That's why I'm, I'm fascinated in this type of stuff, and I'm, I'm really want to learn more about it. Now, what, you talked all about that, but what would you say possibly kick-started that interest? Was it the fact that maybe you saw one of the numerous paranormal shows on TV? Um, was it hearing my stories? What was it that got you interested? Well, Nate, to address that question, I feel as if um, whenever I was a, a little kid, Every Wednesday night, I would watch Ghost Hunters, you know, Taps, Jason and the crew. I mean, I was constantly watching that show. It, it was an absolute favorite. You know, Wednesday nights, whenever that rolled around, I was watching it. Um, why did I watch it whenever I was growing up? Well, I first thought it was cool. Okay, well, you think things are cool, but you don't necessarily know why. Now, why is it cool? Well, I just thought it was interesting because I really wanted to know the answers to kind of what they were searching for and just kind of figure out what the heck's going on. And I didn't really know it at the time, but honestly now in retrospect, I feel as if I was just searching for the answers, and I've still yet to come to them, so that's why I'm still searching. Yeah, and for those of you out there who may not necessarily know who Lucas is, which I can't imagine most of you would, he's very straight-to-it, scientifical, you know, where's-the-evidence kind of guy. So the fact that he's keeping an open mind here, I, I really appreciate it. Um... The biggest thing for me, well, not necessarily the biggest thing for me here. I do have one question for you, and my question for you is, have you been to any paranormal places, like anything along those lines? Uh, as a matter of fact, I have been to multiple spots. Um, one place in which I go to every Halloween slash every October is a place that is common run where Nate and I live. So for the, I, I interrupted him here. That's why we had a little bit of de uh, dead time here. Um, for those of you out there who have, may or may not have heard of it, a place we have around here that Lucas is talking about is a place called Step Cemetery. Now Step Cemetery, just to give a little background information, um, it was a family cemetery up in the uh, Morgan Monroe state forest here in indiana um i won't go into it too much here because i can uh 
devote some time to it later down the road. As you know, we may end up there next month with it being October and uh you know Halloween. Not that this is the reason that we're both involved with this, um, but you know, maybe you can tell me a little bit more about what had happened there. I know you haven't had any experiences, but you can describe the cemetery and maybe how you get to it, why maybe it has this background to it. Alrighty, so regarding Step Cemetery, um, you know, it's it's a small cemetery. It hasn't been in use in, I would say, a good 50 to 40 years. I don't know exactly off my head, but it's very old. Um, you have to walk through the woods about a mile, mile and a half to get there from a little gravel parking lot. It's really easy to miss. Um, I first went to Step Cemetery with my mom and stepdad, and they used to go there whenever they were kids. And uh, my stepdad took me up there, and we just kind of checked it out. Um, we were looking for it, and we couldn't find it. And we went up and down the same road about three, four times, and we were completely lost. It's out in the middle of nowhere. And eventually, we kind of thought we knew where it was, and randomly, we saw about six or seven cars parked along the side of the road, and they were not there at all um, the previous five, six minutes ago. So they had all arrived at once, and I was a freshman in high school. I got out of the car. Um, not knowing any better, stupidly just approached this random group of people, just kind of wanting to see what everything was about because I was so excited to have my own experience. Well, you know, that's a hallmark of you. I can go anywhere with you and you will just randomly find people to just randomly chat up. You may not get their name or whatever, but that is a hallmark of uh, your personality there, so that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, I'm a talker. I mean, it's it's well evidenced. You know, ask my friends. I'm... I'm I can talk to anybody, you know. It's it's a it's a gift, I suppose, or, or a curse. I don't know. But anyway, so I randomly started talking to these people, and in this instance, uh, my parents probably would say it's more of a curse. And I'm not even sure if Nate has heard this story or not before, but I'm gonna go into it because it's quite fascinating. So I, I went up and approached this group of about 20 or so people, and they were all wearing headlamps, and I couldn't necessarily tell what kind of clothes they were wearing, so I can't necessarily give the details on that. But what I did notice is that many of them had books that they were reading out of, and I, I heard them speaking, but I could not understand what they were saying, and I kind of approached them a little bit closer to kind of figure out what was going on, and as I approached them, uh, I don't know the exact details, but I could not understand what they were talking about, and the language in which they were speaking was very strange, and I cannot necessarily attest to this, but my stepdad and mom they told me that they think these people were speaking in tongues of sorts. So that was my first experience being at Step Cemetery. So my question for you is, do you think maybe these, these people were occultists or, you know, Satanists or things along those lines? Because this was in October, correct? When, Absolutely. when this yes, occurred? It was. Yes, it was. Right okay. around Halloween. Mind you, this was October many, many years ago. But, okay. Well, you know, it's it's possible it's that, and I don't, you know, myself, I don't really divulge into that too much, um, but sounds like, personally, for a 14-year-old kid, 15-year-old kid to go and arrive at, you know, a location that had, you know, you got the typical ghost stories, to have people reciting in languages you can't necessarily speak, I'm, I'm sure it was an eye-opening experience, and quite shocking, to be honest, because... 
you know, around that time, that's about when you moved up to uh, where we currently are located, correct? Yes, it is. Yes, so it is. coming from, you know, BFE, southern Indiana, hillbilly, redneck out in the middle of nowhere, new Middletown, to, you know, a cultured city, but then also... You know, with this not being in a cultured city, but out in the middle of a forest, to people speaking languages you may not know, tell me how that felt. Okay, so my feelings on that were not necessarily strong until my parents kind of told me essentially what they thought was going on. My stepdad, my stepdad didn't say much to me. Actually, it was my mom. She kind of said, she kind of you know got me back over to her, and she was like, "What the heck are you doing with those people?" I'm like. Like, I was just trying to figure out what was going on. And I didn't necessarily process kind of what they were talking about until she, you know, told me these things. And whenever she told me that, it was it was a shocking thing. It seemed somewhat normal in the moment, but obviously I, I wouldn't necessarily say that it was, so. Well, you know, you being you, I mean, I, I can definitely see why there, to say the least. And, you know. Your mom, I know your mom real well. She's a great lady. Things along those lines. Um, so, you know, we could count that as an experience in itself. It's not necessarily paranormal because, I mean, these were real live people. But it's it's nonetheless a very odd experience in itself. Yeah, it was an interesting experience to, to get out of the... To drive by the cemetery multiple times, not even knowing where it was. And then we randomly arrived there at 11, 11.30 at night. And there's four cars there, and there's 20 people outside that randomly showed up. I mean, that's not necessarily weird, but kind of kind of strange. It, it just strange, goes to show you it's a very easy spot to miss. Strange, it weird. It's it's all in the same here. Now, for my listeners out there, I have actually been to this place myself, and I've not had any experiences like that. Um, the last time I was there, a lot of people. Um, to give you an idea of this, what I find is weird about this cemetery, the most part, is it's in this clearing. So it's in a forest. You have to take a couple back roads back there. But as soon as you walk up into the cemetery, there's no trees within the grounds of the cemetery. So if you if you look at it overhead, you've got this random opening in the middle of a forest. And to me... That is the creepiest part about it. Yeah, I, I definitely can can completely concur with that point. Yeah. This this forest is very mature. I mean, there are timbers that have not been harvested out of this forest since the 1800s. It was, it was protected early on in Indiana statehood, and this is an old forest. And this cemetery is literally smack dab in the middle of the woods, but it's a very clear opening surrounded by very mature trees. And... I would almost bet my life. I'm not going to bet my life, but I would almost bet I know. my life. You're, you're big on the, the fan duel and DraftKings and all that stuff, so I could definitely definitely see that happen there. I'm a fantasy geek, and I like to bet on a little bit of fan, daily fantasy, so Nate called me out for that. You know, Fair enough. But I, I almost would guarantee that they do not mow this area. And... For some reason, there are no trees, it's not overgrown, the grass, it doesn't really grow. It's very eerie that this that this grass does not grow, and it's wide open, and it's not forested. It's it's very odd. It's it's basically no maintenance done to the place. Um, the only maintenance 
I believe, that goes into this cemetery is just making sure that the science is stolen, to be honest. That's fair. Now, speaking of this open here, and I'm only going to drop this because it reminded of me on the spot. Um, for those of you who may watch Ghost Adventures, um, the gang did a Halloween special, if I'm not mistaken. A couple of years ago, they went out to Romania and they did investigations in um, having to do with uh, Vlad the Impaler, who is the inspiration for Dracula. Um, and they also, Zach also went out to the uh, Hobachu Forest. And I apologize uh, for those Romanians listening out there if I butchered the pronunciation. I'm. To be honest, I butcher English pronunciation. Yeah, so he, I, he does that quite often, to be honest. Let's be um, realistic here. You've listened to the podcast more than five minutes. You, you can come up with a few examples. So it's it's just, it's never been my strong suit here. Um, basically, in this forest, there is this random weird opening, same as Steph. I mean, there's not a cemetery there, but it, it's just, it's creepy to me personally. With that being said... You know, I've never had anything happen there. Who knows? I mean, they could all just be ghost stories. Speaking of, of local haunts here, one uh, one particular place, which is actually quite famous, believe it or not. Um, it's been on several TV programs. It's been talked about in articles and things along those lines. It's local to us, a place called Whispers Estate. Now, Whispers Estate... Um, is this house that was built in 1894 at the earliest discovered records. Um, so it may have been built earlier, and the records aren't just there. To be honest, Mitchell's a little bit... It's in Mitchell, Indiana, if I did not say that. It's a little bit of a small, you know, hick town. Wouldn't you agree on that, Lucas? Most definitely. Um, but anyway, so this, this house has a reputation... Um, as you can aptly see by the name of having disembodied whispers. But to give a little backstory in it, in 1899 or 1901, depending on what source you reference, um, there's multiple reports, multiple sources, articles, whatever you want to call them. Um, the house at the time was purchased by John and Jesse Gibbons from Dr. George and Sarah White. Now, obviously this house... You know, it's been been around for at least five years. There's no documented, no stories, anything of it concerning the first original owners. Now, Dr. John Gibbons and his wife, Jessie, um, they were, you know, reportedly adopting abandoned orphan children. Now, this next story I'm going to tell you, it has been confirmed. Um, I, I, in my research, I've come up and have been able to confirm this. A 10-year-old girl named Rachel, um, and obviously her last name was Gibbons after she was adopted, um, she, for some reason accidentally started a fire. Um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it was around Christmas Day. Started a fire, um, going to see presents, knocked over a candle... You know, one thing led to another, and she actually badly burned. You know, it was an accidental burning, and a couple days later, she ended up dying in the one of the upstairs bathrooms, or bedrooms, excuse me. I don't know why I said bathroom. Um, 
but you can still hear her and see her running around the house today as documented in evidence um, that other paranormal groups other than myself have have uh, been there and uh, seen this for themselves or recorded it for themselves. Um, now, myself and Lucas have not been there, but the plan, we are planning to uh, investigate this place coming next month. Um, see if we can find anything, use my equipment, use whatever equipment, uh, excuse me, um, use whatever equipment Lucas has there. Now, Lucas, in your research, you came across some information here, and I feel like you have some questions to ask me as, you know, a budding investigator, whether or not you want to continue down that path. Um, but you go ahead and have the mic here. Alrighty. So I do have some questions that I would li like to ask Nate, but... First, I would like to go ahead and provide the listener with a little bit of context regarding my questions that are regarding Whispers Estates. So, I'm just going to go ahead and essentially paraphrase the, the situation just to, for time's sake, and the details aren't necessarily that important. It's, it's a little bit more of a global scale question, a universal question, so to speak, that can be applied to, to more places than simply Whispers Estates. But it's a key question in my opinion. So essentially, there was a person in the house who had double pneumonia, and they actually reportedly died within the house. And it's often been reported that people who sleep in that room wake up to labored breathing and coughing. And that was that was very interesting to me. So essentially, what my question is is. Do people ever report spirits kind of having, like, causing people to go through kind of what they went through maybe in their life? And, you know, my example here would be, you know, the spirit that died of pneumonia is, you know, perhaps purposely interacting with, with the investigator's chest, you know, the, the breathing region. Um, so do you think that that's a thing? Do you think that spirits like to kind of interact with people in a, in a similar fashion in which, you know, they kind of were, you know, things that they were going through in their life. What do you think about that, Nate? Oh, yeah, I, I can absolutely see that. In fact, I've I've experienced that sort of thing myself here. Um, you know, people have, you know, reported, obviously, with the Whispers of State here, talking about it, um, that people feel like they're sitting on their chest, which could lead back to labored breathing. Now, you know, I've never had W or W, double... Ammonia, have you? Or even ammonia? No, I've never had pneumonia. Oh, so yeah, so I can't speak how that feeling is um, myself. You know, I can describe it in all terms of symptoms, things along those lines. But um, you know, I can't speak for that. But you know, people have felt labored breathing and coughing. I um, actually take that back. Uh, I actually have had pneumonia. Really. Now, can you tell me how that how that experience was, maybe in terms of, you don't have to completely describe it, but maybe in terms of, you know, breathing, coughing, how your chest felt? Well, it was a process that, honestly, I knew that it had a, uh, had a, a short, you know, it had a shelf life, but during that process, I was absolutely miserable. It was, it was brutal. It sucked. I mean... That was single pneumonia, people. I mean, if I had double, it would have been... 
I would hope it wouldn't be twice as bad, but I mean, it was it was some tough stuff. I I, I really didn't like it, and it's it's not a fun thing, people. That's, I'll just leave it at that. Simply put. Now, but can you can you describe how breathing and stuff was with? Oh, it, it was absolutely restricted. Okay, so it's very very possible in this situation, people who have have reported this feeling. And the, other thing, and the other thing about my pneumonia is I have modern medicine working to my advantage to make it lessened. These folks had leeches sucking blood out of their out of their arms to for crying out loud to, to, to help them out. No, that was that was a bit of a, an over over exaggeration. Well, yeah, well for example what I talked about last week and I don't know how in depth I went in this, um, at Waverly Hills, they would you know, because they dealt with tuberculosis, and this is this is in ni- between 1920s to 1960s. They would go in and cut ribs out to try and deflate, and then deflate the lungs. They didn't know what exactly helped it. Yeah, in that case, so like that many times. so yeah. So speaking about your your medical thing, there, I mean, you know, modern medicine has definitely helped out. So it's very very possible. Um, that this could be the case. Now, in terms of my experiences, obviously these don't tie back to Whispers Estates, but at Waverly Hills, to talk about it again, I went into the morgue, and I laid down in the body trays, like in, where they would put the dead bodies. And now they still have the original body trays, and you can lay down in them. The one of the times I went to Waverly, I laid down in the body tray, and all of a sudden, I mean, I can only describe the feeling. I can't show you, but all of a sudden I felt death. I just felt super sad. I just, I felt super emotional. I felt like everything was heavy in the room. Um, you know, the same emotional response people get from death, I felt like I was feeling at the same time. So to answer your question there, I definitely... You know, I've had personal experiences in terms of, of feeling what the spirits feel. Nate, um, quick question. I'm not going to get us down this rabbit hole for too long, but I simply have to ask while we're on the topic. You say that you felt those things. Now, this doesn't necessarily need to be a long and extravagant answer, but whenever you say you felt that, was that more of a physical feeling, or was that not necessarily as much of a physical feeling, more of just kind of an emotional state? I would say it was part of both because, I mean, you, I can, the best way I can tell you, um, and I can discuss it, I had a, uh, a friend who also investigated it with me at that time. You could go in there and it would just feel heavy, like just a heavy presence, you know, heavy energy on yourself. Now, obviously, it comes with emotion, so, you know, it, it answers both questions there. Or answers the question in both ways there, excuse me. Um, so to uh, to continue on with Whisper's estate here, um, a couple of the other paranormal activity that happens uh, within the uh, walls of the building um, in the same room where the, uh, the person who was named Jesse died, um, the doorknob will frequently jiggle like somebody's trying to open the door, stop suddenly, and then... A closet door will uh, pop open. Um, it happened. There was at one point they had five repeatable occurrences within a couple of minutes of this 
sequence of events happening. Um, you know, because somebody would have to go over and shut the closet door, and then this whole process would happen again. Um, some of the other things in terms of paranormal stuff that have happened, um, lots of occupants or owners in s subsequent years have, you know, encountered demises within the house. You know, whether that's paranormal related or it's just a coincidence, you know, it can lead to, as I spoke with last week about Waverly, all the death that happens in a particular building, it can leave an energy imprint for, you know, paranormal experiences to happen. For example, in Whispers Estate, a gentleman in the 50s or 60s, now I can confirm this through research, so I would like to, uh, you know, put a label on this as in, you know, this is just a story I've heard and seen but not able to confirm. A uh, gentleman died in the upstairs bathroom. There was also a young boy who fell down the front staircase. Um, and the owner, in the research I did with the Whispers of State website and news articles and things along those lines, has been able to speak to the relatives of the first, or the boy that fell down the stairs. Um, now, I even if I did have it, I would not uh, release the name. Uh, out of respect for the deceased there. And, you know, I would like to interrupt myself. When you go into these buildings and locations and stuff, you know, you see these TV shows, you know, more specifically Ghost Adventures now. They're not very guilty of this uh, now, but they will provoke, um, especially in places, you know, if you're investigating for the first time. You don't really want to do that if you don't know what you're getting into. Interesting. That's um, very interesting to me. Just because, you know, especially if you believe in this stuff, you know, things can negatively happen, you know, and you could be possibly messing with a demonic spirit. I, I think that's very interesting. As, as a person who is a, a greenhorn to the paranormal, you know, Okay, for investigation. The, for the, for those of those people out there listening, who are not redneck or hillbilly, can you like maybe standard English it there? Greenhorn is in fact a very commonly used word. I'm I'm an, I'm a rookie to the paranormal investigation, and my my point is, is that I'm I'm interested in the fact that Nate said that it is not good to provoke the spirits, which makes sense in my mind, but he's got a bit more experience in this realm than I do, and I, I just think that it, it honestly, I don't know if it's not necessarily respectful to even investigate, but I think that, if possible, you need to be as respectful as possible. And now I don't know if it's respectful to go and investigate into someone's home in which they could potentially be damned into. I don't know those answers, but I think that if you're going to do that, and we have decided we are going to do those things, it is very key for us to be as respectful as we possibly can. Yeah, I mean you've got a good you've got good points there. Um, to continue on here with some more of the activity that happens in the building, um, there's a, reportedly a portal or vortex to spirit world in the house. It runs from the front parlor to the third floor room and attic, and the room in the attic. Um, is considered the heart of the house. People who sleep in there have been reported to 
report horrible nightmares, you know, of people trying to get in the room. Um, also in the house, um, which, you know, I find interesting because I've seen this in other places. There's a shadow, which is called Big Black, um, which people say is not of this world, which would mean, you know, especially if you believe in spirits and things along those lines, it wasn't a human, it's not a human spirit. Um, it's supposedly seen throughout the house. Um, I have been uh, to another location where they talked about a big black spirit, and I talked about it last week. Um, for those who have not heard my podcast from last week, uh, it was at Waverly Hills. Um, it's a spirit on the fourth floor. Um, people also believe that they, you know, the big, I should clarify, the big thing that this house is known for is disembodied voices, hearing voices on the EVP. Um, a lot of people hear Dr. Gibbons, especially women, whisper in their ears. I can't tell you what they whisper exactly, or what Dr. Gibbons whispered ex exactly, but you will hear voices basically throughout the whole house. Now, I can't tell you why that this would be the case more so than other locations, but it is a big presence enough to that's why the house is named Whisperous Estates now. Now, Lucas, I think you had, a, when we were talking earlier about this location, um, and not necessarily on the podcast, you may have had a question about about the whispering, or, or am I incorrect in that statement? I do not recall asking you any, any particular questions. Well, no, the not, on the, not on the podcast when we were talking earlier. No? No? Okay. I, I mean, I guess I'm hearing things here now. Yeah. I do not recall that, Nate. I Man, I, uh, maybe I should go to the doctor and you see what's should. going up here. Um, also, one more thing that, you know, actually two more things that people... Oh, uh, Nate, I remember what I was going to ask you about. It was it was more or less about something that the guests encounter. It was, um, it was a, a recurring theme that is constant through many paranormal realms, supposedly. Um, it is the... The theme of scent, which I'm sure many of our listeners are well aware of, that that is a, a quite paranormal, you know, happening. And Whispers is known for many scents. It, it's known for its baby powder scent, which is it had described in its history as as a as, a, as somewhat of a present or as a pleasant scent, which I thought was interesting. And it also discussed you know many other types of scents, including you know uh, rotten meat and cabbage. And, and just some other things, you know. There, these things are on the website. Anyways, this is a long roundabout description. And, and yeah. I'm just simply wondering, do you have any experiences with, with sense in the paranormal realm? Because I, I just find this absolutely fascinating. And, and I think it's counterintuitive. I would not necessarily think that a spirit or a paranormal entity, so to speak, would be able to conjure up a sense. That just, that, I would never expect that. You know, a shadow you could see. A scent, I would never have guessed that. Well, you know, you did take, like, the long walk on the beach to get to your question there, if we're going to be honest. But anyway, enough giving you crap here. Um, I actually have had uh, um, experiences with that. I had them both at Ohio Reformatory, which is in Mansfield, Ohio, which, for those of people who don't know, it was the setting, 
the location where they filmed Shawshank Redemption for you movie fans out there. Woo! Um, but um, at, I've also had it at Waverly Hills, and I've had I've been in a room where all of a sudden it just smelled like rotten meat, smelled like sulfur. You know, somebody farted also as well. Like it smelled like that. Those those smells, and I will talk about those smells specifically. Typically, is a sign of demonic presence. Whoa! Now, but that's freaky. Just saying, people. Yeah, it, exactly. Um, you know, and the, the one time recently where I had that happen, uh, my buddy and I we definitely left the room because um, we were not going to mess around with demonic spirits if and when they were there. So yeah. You know, smells, and that's the thing I will say, that's my one complaint about ghost hunting shows on TV. You know, they talk about this stuff, but you can't really, and it's not necessarily knock against them, you can't really portray that feeling very well through film if you're experiencing physically, you know, with smell or with touch, things along those lines, so... It, it happens basically anywhere. It can happen basically anywhere. I mean, it's it's not even a whispers of state necessarily. I find that interesting. And, and Nate touched up on a point that perhaps this point is why I would not necessarily associate scent with paranormal activities. It, you can't display that stuff in the movies that easily. I mean, it's possible you could, but it's much more easy to just simply, you know, Put some sort of apparition on there and such it's it's just not necessarily that easy to you know display that through through a film and that's probably why i was so shocked by it that's you know what and that's that's completely fair and i mean i've had the same thought previously myself um speaking speaking of uh, old places and sense here uh what i talked about on my my tweet earlier through my uh shadow play paranormal Twitter account for those of you out there. I will do some shameless promotion. It's at SP. Shameless plug. Yes, shameless, shameless plug here. Got to do it. I mean, I don't really have to do it. I'm just doing it. SPP Investigate. For those of you out there listening, give me a follow. I'll gladly answer any questions you have the best I can ability. Anyway, I mentioned the Stanley Hotel. Now, I mention this because I recently took a uh, family trip out to Denver and California. But when we were in Denver, my dad and I decided to go out to Estes Park, which is where the Stanley Hotel is located. Go check it out. Go check out Rocky Mountain National Park. Um, so anyway, for those of you out there, I'm sure are quite familiar with Stanley Hotel. If not, the Stanley Hotel is a... Um, rather independent famous hotel uh, that was created created built in 1909 well that's when it was open and completed and then the town of Estes Park built up around it um, it was completed in 1909 by freeland Oscar Stanley F.O. Stanley for short as he was well known his wife uh, Fioria, Flora. See, here's the thing. I'm super bad at pronunciation here and just butchering it, man. Like, 
I must I gotta go back to school or something. Um, but anyway, F.O. Stanley uh, was very weak and under uh, weight, and his his wife and him they went up to Estes Park. It's in a valley in the mountains, and it helped him restore his health. So they built up a hotel, and the hotel built up a town. Now Estes Park was there as well. You know, it was there beforehand. But anyway, you know, it. Stephen King in 1974 spent one night in a room there, room 217. Um, at the time, they were the only overnight guests. It inspired his famous novel in what would later uh, lead to a movie called The Shining. So now... To explain why this hotel was an inspiration to Stephen King, he had a dream that he was his three-year-old son was running through the corridors, looking back over his shoulder, eyes wide, screaming. He was being chased by a fire hose, and then Stephen King woke up, and he went outside overlooking the Rockies, and was smoking a cigarette, and by that time had the bones for his book. Um, he used Stanley as the model for his Overlook Hotel, which was the hotel in the novel. Anyway, that's that's the famous, 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 famous part for that there. Um, to give you a little hint here, uh, F.O. Stanley and his wife Flora are also uh, supposedly still around. Um, now, F.O. Stanley will be in the lobbyard he'll be hanging out with you know people checking in things along those lines um you can smell his cigar smell um and it'll be very pungent especially since the stanley park is non-smoking in there um so yeah so i mean it you know in other paranormal shows you know, such as Ghost Adventures and things along those lines, they have done investigation in there. Um, like I said, Mr. Stanley, F.O. Stanley has been, he's also been captured in photographs, which is how people know that he's, you know, in the lobby. He's also been captured in the billiards room, which was supposedly his favorite uh, place in the house. Now, I would like to talk about my experience there. I've not had any paranormal experience there myself. But the hotel itself, you know, putting aside paranormal, it's a fascinating hotel within itself. You come up, you drive up the drive to come up to it, and it's actually not as big as you think it would be, but it's still kind of, to me, formidable. You've got extra buildings to the back, and you come to the right, like the carriage house, which, fun fact... It's where they store the mattresses when people either die in the beds or commit suicide. You know, things along those lines. So those beds go into the carriage house. And correct me if I'm wrong, if you've seen this in the Ghost Adventures episode, they had some activity in the carriage house. Now, I can't explain what exactly because it's been honestly a long time since I've seen that episode. Um, but I don't know. Have you seen that episode? I have actually not seen that episode, Nate. Um, huge fan of The Shining. Well aware of the hotel. Quite jealous of the fact that you got to go there. 
But I have not seen the episode. But it is a very cool place, and I would love to check it out at some point. And disclaimer here, you know, early points in that in that show, I believe they did a good job, especially with gathering evidence. You know, I can't say for certain. I'm sure that they definitely, you know, definitely, definitely, especially since they're trying to get ratings and stuff, they may push the boundaries on things. But anyway, enough with that. Stanley Hotel, beautiful hotel. Got to got to have a drink in the bar, actually. And I'll tell you, man, that bar, most expensive drink I've ever bought in my life. Legendary like, status, and I'm sure it was well worth it, though, Nate. Oh, man, but best cocktails I've ever had in my life, to be honest. Um, I'd suggest going there. They have packages, believe it or not, where they will give you... Um, let me find... Where did I read this package? Um, I'd have to look at this later, but they'll let you stay on like the fourth floor, which is where most of the activity will happen. And they'll give you like one piece of equipment. They also have night ghost tours, which they will go through their most haunted spaces, um, introduce you to the phenomena in the hotel, um, especially the you know, the places where F.O. Stanley and Flora Stanley are to be seen. Um, but in itself, beautiful building, and why wouldn't you want to stay there, even without the added perk of paranormal history? Now, speaking of which, to go back to Whisper's estate and the disembodied voices, I'd like to specifically talk more so about capturing them. Now, Lucas, I know you're a greenhorn here. Quite so. But do you have any ideas what people would use to capture voices, things along those lines? So I know one of the common instruments that many of these paranormal investigators use to capture voices is, is, an, is an EVP recorder. I mean... I've seen a few episodes, I know that. Most most of the listeners would most likely know that. And that's nothing new, but that, you know, thermal, you know, vision, so to speak, you know, some other things. That's that's pretty much all I know about it. I don't know any about anything too, you know, too too much past that, but that's kind of the gist of my knowledge as far as, you know, recording instruments. So last week I talked about melmeters, which record temperature and EMF, you know, electromagnetic frequency with digital recorders which is you know how a good way to capture electric voice phenomenon you can capture things that you may not have necessarily heard with your own ears now they're often times within a static or other background noise so it takes some time to go through them and decipher what you possibly have. They make it seem so easy on, on ghost shows and things along those lines. But from experience, it takes time going through the recordings to even find anything possible. Yeah. They don't show you the nine hours where the grunt workers sitting there listening to the recordings, almost falling asleep, hoping to hear a little something-something. I mean, the shows simply aren't long enough to display that type of information. Absolutely. Absolutely there. Um, so basically, 
you know, for the, those of you out there who are possibly interested in doing your own investigations here, you, a good thing for you to have is nice digital recorders. Not analog recorders, digital recorders. Um, because anal or analog recorders often may pick up their own internal workings. So, you know, how the equipment is running. Um, EVPs are often faint and difficult to detect, so quality for the sound is very crucial. Uh, excuse me. Which digital devices will definitely have an advantage over analog recorders. Another advantage of digital recorders, you can take those sound files, you plug into your computer or whatever you use to analyze, and you can analyze, enhance it, keep it, you know, so you get more space on your digital recorder if you go to other places. Now, you definitely want to have a USB port on those, but those those help capture, you know, voices we may not hear. For example, one location I was visiting, we caught, <coughs> excuse me, man, I've had a cough all day. It's been interfering big time. Um, but we've had an example where I was at a location. Lucas, what the heck are you doing? What What are you doing? Sorry, folks. I'm uh, recording in my kitchen, and I'm making a little bit of morning coffee for tomorrow. I, I'm pretty. I'm a pretty good self planner or lazy, whichever perspective in which you want to well, take on that. But I like to make my coffee at night, so whenever I wake up, I simply. Switch on a button and I'm on my way. It's it's like nine thirty at night though. I mean, what? Yeah. Your morning. You're you're an interesting person, but anyway, um, you'll want to upload those. And uh, the example I was going on. See now you've got me all in a pinch here. But anyway, the example I was going on. We asked the question about church services because we were at a location where they had a chapel on the the facility with the facility on each floor where you know patients and stuff could go down and attend church service. I asked a question along those lines that was, "Did you do you enjoy the church services? Do they help you with your recovery?" And we went back through my recorder and we caught a clear no right after I asked that question. None of us heard it. Nobody thought maybe we caught anything. But that's what recorders will do for you. Especially. Um, now, like I said, we had to go back through several times to actually decipher it. Because um, it was, you know, it was within the white noise there. Uh, Nate, I'm going to interject quickly. I'm going to ask you a question. Um, this whole story is brand new to me, as well as the listeners, obviously, but you said you, let me get this straight, so you didn't hear that during the time being, correct? Correct. But you stated that you heard a clear no. Would you agree with what you just said? Do you find that eerie that you heard it through an electronic voice recording device but you did not hear that in real life. Does that, does that feel eerie to you? Because if that was me, that would feel very strange. I would like to, before I say my answer, when you said that clear thing, I would like to go back to our listeners and say, when I mean clear in that situation, 
you know, that's obviously after multiple listens. You know, you had to go through multiple listens to decipher it. But to me, when I decipher some sort of audio, and this doesn't necessarily mean paranormal audio, this could be real life, it'll always, always come back to me what I was able to decipher. So I've always been bad with explaining, you know, things. So I just wanted to get that out there. But it's kind of eerie, to say the least. You know, you're sitting there and within your own level of listening, own level of hearing, and you don't hear anything. You go back through this recorder, and at the same time you thought you weren't hearing anything. You have a response. The first time I ever heard something like that, and it wasn't this situation, my hair raised up on my neck because that's creepy as hell. I would certainly agree with that. So, to, to see that specifically, I mean, it, it's it's rather fascinating. But it's also creepy at the same time. And especially the fact that it was very, very possibly an intelligent spirit responding. You could catch EVPs on recorders that will just be, you know, a bang that wasn't there. Or, you know... Somebody working on something when nobody is there working. You know, residual, continuous residual energy there. Where you're catch, capturing on your recorders there what's happening in that specific time. Now, I know, you know, regarding the interest of time, we are we are running out of that, that valuable resource. Unfortunately for the listeners, I, I know that's going to be sad news for you. But, hey, you know, all three of you guys out there that are listening, there's a little bit more left. So don't get too bummed out. Anywho, question regarding the uh, the intelligence of the spirits. Do you think this is a total spitball question I'm coming up with here, folks? Nate has no idea what I'm going to ask him, so I'm just going to get his natural intuition on this question. But do you think that that spirits kind of are aware of these recording devices and will sometimes provide residual effects? that can only be captured by the recording devices instead of by just the, the natural human ear. Dude, what do you think about that? Do you think that they try and purposely be, you know, only observed through these these EVP mediums? Or do you think that that's just kind of just how it is? There's It's just kind of a coincidence. Or do you think that this is an intentional act? I think some of it can be intentional, but some of it could just be coincidence. Um, you, you asked in your question, is the spirits provide providing residual in a sense that you were asking you know our intelligent spirits may be giving us residual energy just so we don't discover them is, is that what you kind of meant because i've had a feeling as soon as you worded the question that way that's what you were asking no um maybe i can reword my question that will maybe make it a little bit more clear perhaps i didn't ask it very well okay so do you think that the these spirits you said that you heard you heard this this no only through these EVP mediums, correct? That is but you correct. said you did not hear that necessarily with your human ear. Do you think that they intentionally will make it so that you can only interact with them and hear them through these EVPs instead of being able to you know have you hear them through your actual hearing? Do you think that that's a thing? It's very very possible, yes. Okay. Well, I just I just had to state the question. It's just kind of 
you know, more of a thought, you know, that I just wanted to just kind of throw out there so Nate and I could kind of perhaps spitball on this and we can, we can consider it and maybe come back to you all with some more insights on that for the, for the next episode. I do want to say on one final train of thought here, I, I think, and I think this is fair to our listeners out here because I haven't exactly explained or given any sort of origin for EVP. Um, there, there are claims, you now this is a claim that the origin of EVP include humans imprinting thoughts directly on an electric median through psychokinesis and communication by discarnate entities such as spirits, um, you know, people who have, have lived and, you know, may have not passed along. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's quite interesting in itself because to me, after, after hearing that explanation the first time when I heard it, you know, it makes it seem like some sort of, best way I can describe this and this isn't going to necessarily make sense, but I thought of the Industrial Revolution when thinking about that. Because you've got this, or, or assembly lines more so. You've got, it, it just seems like an assembly line thing to me. Like you and I right now, without recording through, through our recording device here, could be imprinting in this specific space. And if for some reason we don't move on or we have residual energy... You have an assembly line of sound continuing and continuing. What do you think about that? I think that that is a, an absolutely fascinating thought, Nate. There are there are many different ways to interpret that, and I'm currently working on about four or five because that is a, a brand new thought for me to, to to consider. I think I think honestly. Maybe I'm interpreting what you're saying in a way that you're not, you know, expecting me to. But I think that kind of one one way of what you're saying is that these EVPs essentially allow the spirit to have a time-stamped presence that is not necessarily unerasable, but it's been recorded. Yeah. A simple conversation yeah. is not necessarily, or is, is almost never recorded. I mean, but... Whenever you give these spirits an opportunity to, to you know, interact with you through an EVP, that is a recorded instance. And oh, yeah. and, and 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 honestly, this could be another rabbit hole where fifteen more minutes can just disappear like that from us just chatting it up. But ah, quick fifteen second side note: I'm a huge fisherman and a hunter, and I know that fish and other animals, deer and turkey. That I hunt, I know that they know that I'm going for them. So they kind of train themselves, and they become fickle creatures, and and they hide. And it makes me wonder that if a spirit has been quote unquote tested for a long enough time, that maybe they they know of the EVP situation, and they kind of are used to it, and they're trained. So it's 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 another rabbit hole that you know perhaps we can dive into, but. It's another interesting thought, you know. Maybe spirits that are in pressured areas that have constant, you know, investigation traffic. Maybe those spirits have been conditioned in a different way from other spirits. I don't know. And I would like to throw out for our listeners there. You know, it may seem like we jumped the shark completely here. Trust me, we're not Michael Bay and putting Nazis and Merlin into Transformers Five. 
which by the way is a legit thing so go out there and look and you will just you know he jumped the shark it may seem like we're on drugs it, it's just a conversation that just came out of nowhere honestly we go down the rabbit hole constantly if if we are in the episode together be prepped and ready for it because it will happen i mean shoot you can just listen to some of my podcasts I participated on in the Bad Dinner Guest family of podcasts, whether it's been 60 Grit, which I necessarily haven't been on too much, or Bad Dinner Guest itself when we've talked about conspiracies and stuff. So, on that final note, I think we've come to a place in the road where we must part with our listeners. Any final thoughts, Lucas? Well, Nate, I would just like to go ahead and thank you for allowing me the opportunity to be on Shadow Play Paranormal's podcast. Uh, it has been an absolute pleasure, and listeners, thank you for your time. I, I hope that I have this opportunity again, and take her easy. For those listeners out there listening to this in a couple hours or a couple days, I thank you for joining in with us. Peace out, and see you next Saturday.